Here in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42, we read, They were continuing steadfastly in the teaching of the apostles, in the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. And there came upon every soul fear. And many wonders and signs through the apostles were taking place. And all the believers were with one accord, having all things together, even selling their possessions and goods, dividing them to everyone as anyone had needs, and continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple daily, and breaking bread from house to house. They were partaking of their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with the whole community. And the Lord was adding to the church daily those being saved. You might have noticed that this passage, these few verses that give us a glimpse into the life of the early church, that it both begins and ends with this conception of breaking bread. Put simply, eating food. It is fascinating how God works. God works tangibly. God works in history. He works in time and space. He works through matter, the material world, the physical world. He works through those things that are tangible to us. The early life of the church was characterized by a number of things, especially through weekly worship, especially through this celebration of what we call the Eucharist, a meal of thanksgiving. And it was a simple meal, a meal of simple elements, bread and wine, or as Paul said, a loaf and a cup. And in this meal, the early church celebrated and remembered. They celebrated the presence of the risen Christ. For they knew that He who was dead was no longer dead, but He had risen. That's why they met weekly on Sundays. The Lord's Day. To celebrate His risenness. To celebrate the fact that He was with His people. That they were not abandoned. And so in this meal, they celebrated His presence And in this meal, they remembered, they proclaimed the death of their crucified Lord. In fact, Paul said to the Corinthians in his first epistle to them, chapter 11, that as often as you eat this bread and as often as you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes again. This meal is a celebration and it is a remembrance. It is why so many of our communion tables are marked on their front in remembrance of me. We're reminded when we hear the body of our Lord was broken for you. The blood of our Lord was shed for you. We are reminded that we preach Christ crucified. And yet we're reminded also that He says, this is my body. This is 
my blood, remembering that he is yet with us, and we celebrate his presence. Tomorrow, we as a nation will celebrate, oddly enough, what we call Memorial Day. Memorial Day is a remembrance of those who have died in the line of military duty. And we celebrate this holiday through meals. Think of it. We fire up the grills. We cook maybe some hot dogs or some hamburgers. We honor by sharing meals those who have given their lives in death. We have barbecues. We eat meat and potatoes, perhaps some form of bread, hamburger, hot dog buns, macaroni and cheese, baked beans, potato salad, typical American smorgasbord. We celebrate through meals. We honor through meals. It's funny that we celebrate and remember through meals. We are reminded at Thanksgiving through a meal of God's bountiful goodness, of how faithful He's been to us, and we give thanks. We gather our families around the Christmas dinner table. We again fire up the grill for 4th of July, our day of independence. Even New Year's Day, as we kick off a new calendar year, we remind ourselves that we're supposed to eat some form of pork, perhaps with or without hog jaw. Certainly not without some black-eyed peas, whether you want to have some coinage in the pot or not. But we remember, hey, that's how you're supposed to kick off the new year. It gives you good luck, right? We celebrate. New things are happening. We make our vows to lose 10 pounds or to you know, cut back on soft drinks or you know, have a better attitude at work. We, we make those, those promises to ourselves as we begin a new year. But we always celebrate, it seems, with meals. We feast. Meals have a way of bringing up memories. We, when we get together for family reunions, there's always a meal. And we laugh and we joke and we talk about the time that you know, the crazy aunt made a salad with zucchini instead of cucumbers because she didn't know the difference. And Those things come up. Those memories come up in meals. In this little vignette, so to speak, in the life of the early church, this glimpse into their life, listed in the same breath as baptism, listed in the same breath as Christian doctrine and prayer, signs and wonders, charity, compassion, caring for one another's needs and those of the poor. 
in all of this stuff that we would say, that's good Christian stuff. That's good Christian teaching. That's good Christian character. That's good Christian behavior. You find this repeated discussion of breaking bread. What we refer to here in the South as having a fellowship. Sharing a meal. Right there in the middle of going to church, the temple. Right there in the middle of small groups meeting in each other's homes. Right there in the middle of praising God. Right there in the middle of enjoying a good and honorable testimony of sound character in the community. Upstanding citizens. Neighbors you'd want to have living next door to you. Right there in the middle of this discussion of the salvation of souls daily brought into the life of the church. You find this repeated refrain of breaking bread. This little bit about sharing a meal. Now there's something inherently sacred about the dinner table. We might still have it, but when Lindsay and I first got married, we found these ridiculous looking little magnets, and they were terrible magnets. They were terrible because they're they're thin, and if they got caught under something, they got bent, and they would never go back flat again, which always drives me insane because I'm thinking it's a magnet, it's and it's on a flat piece of metal like a refrigerator and it can't it can't bend itself back out and just hold to the refrigerator so it was good for nothing magnet but uh one of them said uh family that stay that prays together stays together you know we it was an interesting magnet but um i think it could equally be said that the family that shares meals together stays together. That doesn't rhyme. But that's why I'm not a magnet maker and I didn't make money off of making magnets. But there's something inherently sacred about the dinner table. You know, the family gets together for a reunion or a meal like, you know, Memorial Day hamburgers or something. And the family's together and what do you always say? You always say, all right, we got somebody's going to say Grace. And they figure out, all right, who's the most spiritual one of us generally? I'm like, hey, Dad, you mind saying saying grace for us? Um, if I'm around, Lindsay will say, Adam, will you pray for us? That's what we pay you for. <laughs> um, but normally we say grace at a big meal like that. Even families that don't normally pray together, or families that don't normally even say a blessing together. You know, when it's a big meal and the family's there, you got to. You say grace. And it's funny about that, that, that term, saying grace. It, um, it, when I was a kid, I used to think, he didn't even mention the word grace when he was praying. He's talking about thanking God for this food. What, what does grace have to do with these hamburgers and the, the hamburger buns and the condiments? What, is, what does grace have anything to do with it? We actually get that uh, from, from Greek culture, from the Greek New Testament. Grace... Is is uh, it has the same root word as what we find in Thanksgiving? 
And so we read of Jesus that on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and having given thanks or having spoken grace, he broke it. So we're giving thanks. It's that word Eucharist. We think of it as some weird, strange, archaic, probably Latin, it's not Latin, it's Greek, word that, that you know, the church came up with to describe the Lord's Supper. But it's simply the Greek word grace or thanksgiving. But whether or not a family gets together and says grace before a meal, it's funny what happens. I was at a uh, end-of-the-year baseball cookout slash team party for Aiden's baseball team just uh, last weekend, I think. We didn't say a blessing. It, it's not a church league or anything like that. But there's you know all these families from all sorts of different walks of life. But the thing that we did do before the meal is we made sure that everybody got together. It was, it was kind of a... It's almost ritualistic. Or, or it was like a ritual. Everybody gets together. All right, kids, come on, come on, come on, come on. Parents, you mind you know, fixing kids' plates? And, and we made sure that nobody starts before anybody else. There's just something sacred about a meal. You know, you're out at the restaurant. Happened to us last week, Andrew. And... Some food comes out first. You know, somebody ordered a salad. Like, ah, oh, they ordered a salad. Great, I don't have anything. Or, oh, they got an appetizer. And, and there's always that kind of awkward discussion of, you mind if we go ahead? Oh, well, yeah, let's go ahead and say a blessing. There's, it, it's, it's weird when we get around the table. We act really odd. We talk about inappropriate things sometimes. We, we have kind of awkward pauses trying to, negotiate through body language who's going to start first or is somebody going to pray? Are you going to pray? One of the kids going to pray? It all happens at a dinner table. We kind of stumble over ourselves trying to figure out what's the order of things. Again, whether or not we say a prayer, there's still that, there's certain things that you do. There's a certain etiquette that, that, you, that, you, that you use when going through the ritual of sharing a meal with others. Pray or not to pray. Kids first. Parents, you taking care of the kids. Make sure they only get one slice to start off. No, you can't have a hamburger and a hot dog. we got to wait and make sure everybody else has an opportunity. Then maybe we'll go back. Has everybody had an opportunity to eat? Okay, there's seconds. If anybody wants to come back, slow down. There's all those things that we do around a dinner table. And eating is a very odd thing. You think about it, it's kind of a very personal thing. You are taking into your body something that sustains life. The scriptures tell us if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Biology tells us if a man doesn't eat, he doesn't live. We don't like chewing with your mouth open or talking while chewing. We tell our kids, stop, that's gross. Swallow your food, then say what you want to say. 
eating is a, an odd, odd, it's odd that we like gather together to consume stuff. It's probably the most basic, the, uh, definitely the most regular reminder that we are consumers. We get together to eat. And it's funny, we take it for granted. I was talking with the kids uh, just before service, and we were gathering together talking about what the contents of the sermon would be this morning. And um, Addison's sitting there, and so I say, well, you know, what, what's something that you do with your family every day? I don't do anything with my family every day. Well, what do you do? Well, normally, you know, he goes down the litany of things that he might do in a given day, and I'm, okay, well, what else? Well, nothing. Well, there's, there's got to be something else that you do with your family every day. Nope, 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 nope. Are you sure? Yep, yep, yep. Do you eat? Well, yeah, I eat. Do you do that with your family? Well, sometimes my dad's not there. Okay, because he's at work. But, well, yesterday, I think he said yesterday, they went by and had, had lunch with his dad while his dad's at work. But we, I mean, they covered probably 20 or 30 things, random things, odd things, about going to museums and things that don't happen every day that they might would do in a given day, but completely overlook the fact that they consume food every single day, and normally they do that in the company of their family. And then we started talking about when our families get together, what do we generally do? Oh, we watch some movies. Okay, what else? We talk. What else? We hang out. What else? We play out back. What else? Y'all talk. What else? And we go, go down 20 or 30 things. Well, what do we, what's normally there when we're, when we're doing that? I don't know. Do we normally eat? Well, yeah, we eat every time we get together. What do we eat? Pizza, Chinese, we eat. burgers. But it's one of those things we take for granted. We assume it's just a part of life. But even though it's just a part of life, and even though it's something that we do on a constant basis, it is something that is profoundly important to who we are as creatures. And it's something that is profoundly important in the way God works. He designed us to be people who eat meals. And I think He put in us that awkward tendency to want to consume together a meal. To find almost a ritual in meals. It's rude to start eating before everybody else has an opportunity to start eating. Generally, when a big group gets together for a meal, like here when we have fellowship meals as, as a church, normally there are a couple of kind of like line monitors, you know, who have thrown, thrown themselves and they're caution to the wind, and they're risking the possibility that all these consumers are going to eat up all the pizza, and by the time I get my plate, it's going to be all gone. And, and they, they make sure that, 
you know, the line's moving as it should. They make sure that everybody's got whatever napkins or cutlery they might need. Can I get you a drink poured? There's an obvious and, and kind of inescapable sense of order and obligation and service that goes into something as common and ordinary and as daily and redundant as sharing a meal. And you guys probably thought, why in the world are we talking about all this on a Sunday morning? I came here to hear about Jesus, not to think about my eating habits. Some of you are probably trying to ignore your eating habits. Some of us live in denial of our eating habits. There's no way I consume that many calories every day. God's given to us as His people the opportunity to eat. And the amazing thing about the meal we call Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, or the Eucharist, the sacrament, is that Jesus tells us in it, take and understand. Doesn't he say that? He doesn't say that. He says, take and eat. Take and eat. He even then kind of pushes them. Do it. As often as you would in remembrance of me. There's something special about this meal. Something that surpasses understanding. I don't think Jesus would have wanted to say to his disciples, take and understand. He purposely simply said, take and eat. He did not offer them a litany of an explanation of the significance of what he was doing. He simply told them, take it and eat it. Do it. Did the same thing in baptism. Just simply do it. As we gather as His people around His table and share in this His meal, we gather and we recognize that God, for whatever reason, has chosen to use a meal to sustain us as His people. To remind us of what He's done to redeem us and to offer us an opportunity to celebrate His presence. God is not a rude host. He invites us into His house. He invites us 
to His table. He offers us what He has prepared in our behalf. And He meets us there. So much so that this meal is a reminder of those days that are to come when the end of days has arrived. Jesus said, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until I do so in glory. So this is a meal of anticipation. We look ahead to that day where all of God's people will be gathered at His table and all will celebrate and remember in this meal and give thanks to God for redeeming us. He offers us food to renew our lives. And He offers us Himself to renew us in His image. Let's pray.